politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, independent-minded conservatives, and forgotten taxpayers to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze Media for a blockbuster week of broadcasting. It's Monday. It's November 2nd. It's the day before election day, or actually a middle of election month because we don't have election day. And everyone wants to know what's going to happen. What is going to happen with the future of our country? And I will tell you that the answer to that question is in your hands. No, I don't mean the outcome of Tuesday night. That the die is pretty much cast. What will happen will happen. But as always, everyone's tuned in. You're going to have podcast numbers, website visitation statistics through the roof this week. This is the Super Bowl of current events and politics. But the truth be told, it doesn't have to be the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is really what happens in between. I can't give over this analogy enough that elections are not really the culmination of a football game or the game winning pass, the touchdown scoring pass. Elections are really the kickoff. (laughs) It's really more the beginning. It's who gets possession of the ball. But it doesn't mean that the team that gets possession of the ball wins. Sometimes they do really good stuff with it for their side and advance the ball, put points on the board. Sometimes kind of a stalemate, and sometimes they fumble the ball, toss an interception, and that possession of the ball turned out to have been a curse rather than a blessing, and often it causes them to lose the game. The game is every day. The game is played every day between those four years or two years between a midterm where every day there are decisions that are made in legislative bodies from county councils, city councils to state legislators, Congress. Decisions are made in executive agencies, county, state, and federal level. And every day... There is a team on that field. There's the Soros-funded organizations that, that are there getting their points on the board. They are getting their policies passed. You look at the record violence in this country. You look at the corona fascism. It exists because there was a side on the field. You look at the criminal aliens in this country, the sanctuary cities. It exists Because people turned out, not just on election day, but even if they didn't turn out on election day, they turned out every other day of the week to leverage policy, politics, legal channels, and the culture to mold the country in their image. And I bring this up at a time like now when things are in limbo today and tomorrow until we know what happens in the election But I bring this up because you guys always expect from this program, which is why you tune in, something different. Different from what everyone else is is espousing, different from what you're hearing and seeing in the other websites and, and shows that you listen to. And I'm going to make a point today that you're really not going to hear elsewhere, anywhere else. The big news, I think... Over the weekend, if you look just at everything going on, is the energy behind Trump's ground game and his rallies. So you're seeing, I think, more so than we even saw four years ago. You're seeing just an unbelievable groundswell. Even where I am in Maryland, where you know the election is dead, nobody's campaigning. Um, It's a state that not only is blue, but it actually has gotten bluer. Trump lost it by even more than Republicans typically did. Yet there was a massive convoy on the Baltimore Beltway of Trump supporters just, you know, and it's not even organized by the campaign, just grassroots, these convoys. And obviously people have seen large gatherings in New York City 
in Beverly Hills, other parts of California, very blue areas, much less the red areas. Obviously, everyone's talking about how you literally had a 96-mile-long convoy of Trump uh, supporters in Arizona over the weekend. And it's just everywhere. Everywhere people are seeing this. Obviously, the rallies. You know, that Butler County, Pennsylvania rally where you literally had more people showing up than the entire population of that county in Pennsylvania. And again, even late at night, the rallies last night that he held in Miami and in Georgia, 30,000 people. And it's a big deal to do this. You know, I had previously criticized conservatives and Republican voters for just mobilizing to vote and then falling asleep for four years. And I'm going to double down on that criticism today, but I'm going to do it from a positive tone because I think what is happening is so beautiful. It would be a shame not to marshal that energy for something that matters even more than the election, even more than the kickoff. And those are the play calls every day that we can make. See, typically when you vote, it's kind of in and out. Sometimes you have longer lines. And that's all people seem to be willing to do on our side. But that's not really true. Because, I mean, look, to be involved in one of these convoys, you're sitting in traffic for a long time to go to one of these rallies. In our, in our homeschool group here, you know, we're in Baltimore, so there's nothing doing, but some of the rallies in Southern PA is just the drive up I-83 here. And someone was offering to take some of the kids today to one of the rallies. And I was thinking, I asked my wife, well, what, what, what does the guy do for a living? Turns out he's a doctor, but I was wondering, like, you know, he's able to take off because that's a big undertaking. The security, the lines, the traffic, that's a full day's event if you're going to attend. So that's a pretty big deal. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go out to vote. The people that are involved in these convoys, the caravans, the rallies, that's a very big commitment for that day. That takes a lot of time. And that's very telling that people are willing to do that. And that's why I wanted to share with you today what I think is a beautiful thought that needs to be said more often that on Friday I was asking all of you, where is our Boston Tea Party moment? Where is our breaking point? We've watched for seven months as governors and county officials have infringed upon our liberties in a way we have never seen this severely for such a long period of time, this widespread, since the settlement of the continent 400 years ago, much less the founding of our country. We've never seen anything like it. And it keeps going and going almost uncontested. Uncontested. You see the crime and the violence, the jailbreak, the criminals being released, the egregious policies of sanctuary cities. Where, where are the people? Where is everyone? Is everyone sleeping? This has been our experience for seven months. And everyone's talking about how the silent majority is silent no more. But I'm here to warn you, there is a huge opportunity, but a huge pitfall Ahead of us. I don't know who's going to win. I'll, I'll share with you my prediction later. I mean, I ultimately, if you if you made me guess, I do think Trump is going to win. I could be proven wrong. I think it's going to be very close. But, you know, there's no point in mulling about that too much when by the time a lot of you hear these episodes, it'll be after Election Day. And i like for every show to be stand-alone and stand on its on its own principles that could be worthwhile and useful information uh, really indefinitely. But here's what I do know. What I do know, I, I don't know if these rallies and caravans prove that Trump has the majority and will win the election. It might, it might not. But I'll tell you this much. 
What it definitely proves is that we have what the founders, what Jefferson talked about, a tireless, irate minority that is very significant that could tip the balance of policies in so many parts of the country, certainly in the red states, if not in other states. Energy that we have failed to tap into for so long. That much I know. Even if Biden wins, and really if Trump wins too, we're going to need this. We have what we're looking for. We've done a number of shows on local activism. The need to get together, form groups of neighbors together, like-minded people. Some do the research. Some do the media outreach. Some do the public events. Some do the um, uh, op-eds. Some do the calls and set up the meetings with the local officials, the sheriff, the county councilmen, the state legislators, the county executives, the school board officials. And I will tell you, clearly, based on the numbers, if you add up all the caravans and all the rallies, we have a lot more than we need to accomplish that. Don't just put it into the election. Let's keep it going after the election. No matter who wins, we're going to need this. This was always the problem. We're always like, our people don't like to get together, spend the time, make noise, rally. That's what the other side does. But now we see that there is this energy out there. And again, it it doesn't mean that the Democrats don't have enough independent swing voters to swing it, even if you have a very strong base. They might, they might not. I definitely think it portends well. In states like Pennsylvania, with Trump having such large rallies and the trickle-down effect that has in local media and excitement and get-out-the-vote effort, especially where you don't have in-person early voting in in the state, so all in-person voting will be on Election Day in Pennsylvania, and Election Day seems to increasingly benefit um, more conservative voters. But even if it doesn't, even if Trump comes up short, I don't want you guys to lose hope and put all your eggs in that election basket. Because so often we've put it in that basket and we've won anyway, but yet we lost. Because we won the kickoff, or maybe we won the onside kick and reclaimed possession of the ball when we thought we'd lose it. But then we only tossed an interception and the other side wound up scoring. The Republicans continuously giving the left, everything they wanted on immigration, on budget, on welfare, on health care, on crime, especially on crime. We're seeing that again and again. But could you imagine if you had this energy for all this stuff? You know, a lot of people are laughing at a Biden. They're like, ha, 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 look, you know, you, you, you could fit... Biden's rallies in one tiny corner of an arena or an outdoor facility of Trump's rallies. He has 50 people at his rally, he has 20 people at his rally. Sometimes he has more reporters than citizens, which is very befitting because the media is the constituency of Biden. And look at all this energy we have. And they're right. And that's what I want to comment on today. But what I would tell my colleagues is you're right and you're wrong. You see, the Democrats do have their rallies. The Democrats do have their energy and their excitement. Do you know where that is? It's in the Soros-funded legal defense groups. It's in the transgender agitator groups. It's in BLM. It's in Antifa. It's in every county of every state at any given time for any important policy issue. They're months and weeks ahead of the curve. They understand when the inflection point will occur on a given policy, and they are there to pressure their officials, intimidate them into going in the direction they want, irrespective of who won the election. So we joke around at how even in deep blue areas, Trump has more active supporters rallying for him than Biden has in deep blue areas, much less the swing areas and certainly red areas. But at the same time, 
The left has more policy, political, and legal operatives doing their work, even in the deepest red areas, versus our people, much less in the swing areas and the blue areas. Look at that asymmetry. This is how we have Republican counties where people are getting arrested for showing up to the polls without covering their humanity with a diaper cloth on their face. This is how we have mandates in you know, counties in West Virginia that Trump carried by 40 points where children have to sit there for six, seven hours a day with masks on, preschool children. You know, everyone is shaking in their boots, and, and I am too, watching Biden like a modern-day Hitler mandate, I'm going to lock everyone down. I'm going to make you cover your mouth. I'm going to have a national mandate. And it's scary. But you know what? We de facto have that anyway in 90% of the country right now. With a Republican president and also in places with Republican governors and Republican county officials. Plenty of places. The majority of places, I would say. Where is this energy? Where are these people? And rather than lamenting retrospectively, I want to give hope going forward. Last couple of years, I've been calling for citizen task force. Task forces and grassroots committees to do policy. We have Shannon Joy, one of our guests, who's a super activist at a local level, who talks about how easy it is. You can't have one person do it all. You need 10, 20 people in a given group to get together to divide the labor. That's what the left does. And you get in their faces. No matter what happens, even if Trump loses, he is going to win the majority of counties. I mean, in the worst case scenario, he'll win 70% of the counties. If he winds up, winds up winning the election, he'll certainly win over 80% of the counties. And the majority of those, he will win by overwhelming margins. Now, those counties might not have nearly as many people in them as the blue counties do. But at the end of the day, they are unique, sovereign units of government and jurisdiction like anything else. A rural county in Pennsylvania or West Virginia with 10 to 30,000 people in it, well, the people who live in that county and elect their governments there, they have just as much control over themselves as Democrats controlling L.A. County with 10 million people in it. And in fact, you have much more of a say in your government per capita. Everyone laughs, oh, there's a bunch of cows living there. Well, if you're living there and you're a person, you know, you have just as much control over it. Your government is just as legitimate and impactful as the L.A. County government, except you actually get to have more of an impact in it. Everyone's talking about the likelihood, again, of no matter what happens in Pennsylvania, even if Biden winds up eking out enough votes in Philadelphia and then the suburban collar counties because of the suburban women or whatever to win the state, but we will see historic margins from Trump in some of these rural counties. But I will tell you, they are sitting there with the diapers, with the lockdown policies in most of those counties. Why? That needs to change irrespective of who wins. I want Trump to win, but those opportunities will exist perhaps even more if Biden wins because then you will have this backlash. Could you imagine the impact? We're all talking about, oh my gosh, you have rallies in some of these counties that are larger than the entire population. So imagine if you just had a fraction of those people get together. Get together every time. You know, certainly at a local level but at a national level as well. Trump could harness this, and this is the biggest thing. If I had Trump in a room, this is the message I would give him right now. I'd say, look at that groundswell support for you. No Republican commands any respect. Everyone hates the Republican Party. 
including Republican voters. They know they're a bunch of losers. They're not turning out for Tom Tillis and Martha McSally and Joni Ernst and whatever other transgender Republican we have. They're turning out for Trump. There is such an opportunity this man has. Reagan actually did this. And that was when you didn't have the internet. You didn't have any of this stuff. Just with phone calls. He would urge, he would harness the people, urge them to call in to support his tax measures, his regulation measures. When he had a big vote in Congress and he was fighting with Tip O'Neill, this is what he did. So every time there's an inflection point, if Trump wins, he'll have a massive mandate. December, there's a budget deadline. You might think, oh, let's just... Let's just kick it. Let's just pass a CR. Let's just not make a fight. We just won an election. You know, they always say before an election, oh, we can't risk losing it. Well, then, well, okay, there's no better time than right after you win an election. Oh, well, I don't want to do it. No. That's when you pick three things. Defund sanctuary cities. You put things on crime. You put conditions on funding uh, that states cannot violate civil rights with corona fascism. And you harness the people. Lock up criminals, not everyday Americans. Punish the people wearing masks when they rob the stores and mug people. Don't make our children look like robbers and wear masks. Rally every time you have these budget deadlines. These inflection points. Drive calls into your into Congress. The president could do that. No one else could do that. He could do that. Make your presidency meaningful. This is the opportunity I see. Again, if you are out there spending an entire day in traffic, in a caravan, or waiting to go to a Trump rally, you clearly feel strongly about something. And I just don't think the something you feel strongly about is the Jared Kushner element of the Trump administration. And the Martha McSally and Tom Tillis' view of the Republican Party. I doubt that's what's motivating you. You want the crime shut down. You want Antifa and BLM shut down. You want the damaging immigration that doesn't benefit Americans shut down. You want certainly illegal immigration shut down. You want sanctuary cities defunded. Imagine if he picked a fight a month before the budget deadline on defunding sanctuary cities. Imagine, I mean, look at these rallies you have even in New York City and L.A. for Trump. This is what I beg of my colleagues, that they open their hearts and minds and eyes to what's going on. Don't just focus on the electoral bean counting. I know we're all excited about it. But the worst we can do is go away from this election either with a false sense of security and just totally fold up shop if Trump wins or very despondent if he loses. When in both cases, in fact, the Trump loses, actually there will likely be more energy to push back as time goes on. I think people will be more alert. I'm not saying I'm hoping for Biden to win, but that is, you, you have to admit, that is a certain perverse outcome that will happen like we saw with Obama and the Tea Party 2009, 2010, But it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't just have to be the Israelites repenting from, you know, being subjugated. You could turn to God and do the right thing in a time of plenty, although it's harder. When you think you're winning. But you got to use that energy. Remember, second terms of Republican presidents don't turn out well. Remember, just like we've been in a trend of the last three presidents winning re-election, we've also been in a trend of the last three after they win re-election, they get crushed in the midterms. And then the other party goes on to win four years later. So be careful what you wish for if you don't play your cards right. So these are all things we need to push. It's like we're saying, where are the troops? Where are the reinforcements? Why do people have their heads down? Well, now we see they don't. But it needs to be channeled. It needs to be harnessed. 
for the future, for policy fights, for legal fights, for civilization battles. See, what, what, what's, what's hard is it doesn't sound as sexy, what I'm talking about, as elections do. And, and, and look, it's human nature. The, the reason why everyone's caught up is because in their mind, it's like it's so, such a dramatic realm of outcomes all wrapped up into the outcome of this election. Like, you know, Trump wins, it's the promised land. Biden wins, we're done. And as much as I think the election is important, I don't think it's quite that polarizing in terms of the realm of outcomes. If we sit on our laurels, you know, the Trump win will not be that good, and you will see what I mean. It can be very good if we if we work it like what I'm saying. And conversely, if Biden wins... As much as it will really burn, like it will empower the left in the short run, they're going to overreach, take people off, and there'll be opportunities to push back. The point is we always need people there to be willing to fight those battles. And whereas maybe in the past we thought, maybe we don't have an army. Maybe it doesn't exist. Well, I think the good news is it clearly does, clearly exists. Because again, this is not just election results. To me, this is more powerful than the election results. In other words, it's not just, okay, Trump wins. Oh, look, you see we have a silent majority that agrees with us. Even if Trump loses by a little bit. But what we've already seen with this activism is that we clearly have a very substantial minority. And that's all it takes. That's all it's ever taken. Again, I'm just telling you, you have solid red areas that have horrible liberal policies because a group of 15 paid Soros operatives hang out there and agitate. We're not talking about 51% of an, of an electorate. We're talking about literally a handful of people that get the job done for them. I just want to share one other thought with you about these crowds. Think about this profound thought for a moment. Trump's crowds and, and, and caravans are usually hundreds of times larger than Biden's crowds. Yet all sides agree that the risk of rioting is 100% from Biden's supporters. Think about that again. He has no crowds. We're the ones with the crowds. And you think, oh my gosh, imagine if Trump loses, those crowds will turn into riots. Nobody expects that. Biden has no crowds, but they expect riots. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? But again, that's the thing. They, their side, they wake up the day after an election. Our side usually goes to sleep. Now, I'm not saying we need to wake up and riot. But we do need to wake up and get active. Get active at a local level. And again, Trump could activate at a national level. Bang away. You know, let, let me give you an example. Um... Let's say uh, let's say Trump does very well. Let's say it's more in line with what Trafalgar, Robert Cahaley thinks, um, some others, and he's just going to sweep it, win an even bigger victory than last time. It's still very unlikely that Republicans will flip the House, and the but but in that case, they probably will narrow the margin. I think <clears throat> they need uh, seventeen or eighteen seats to flip. You know, so let's say there'll it'll be a narrow margin and maybe Democrats will hold it by five, six votes. Imagine if every time you get Republicans in the Senate to pass something good. I mean, they won't, but if Trump would get them to. And then you have just a handful of Democrats in districts that Trump won. And he bangs away at them and organizes these caravans in their districts. Defund sanctuary cities. Defund governors that are, um, you know, for example, you know, New York's a deep blue state, but there are some areas where Democrats are holding that are very swing districts upstate. You know, what if you fought Cuomo's fascism at a district level there and you organized and pressured the congressman to go along with your ideas? This is all possible, folks. But again, What's also possible, what's also possible 
is for Trump to be pressuring conservative members to support jailbreak 2.0. That's very possible too. The field is wide open. Trump is more open to our ideas than any elected Republican around. But, you know, he's very volatile and he could be open to other ideas as well. If his supporters get in his face and likewise in a symbiotic relationship, the president harnesses them, so many good things can be done with this MAGA movement we have just seen just in the last week or so. Again, this is a perspective you're not going to hear elsewhere because it reflects our focus of looking, playing the long game, focusing on policy outcomes, on civilization outcomes. And that's what we need. And I, I want to get to some of those outcomes. Let's get to, obviously, we spent a little bit more time than I wanted to on this point, but I think it's an important point. But I do want to get to some of the news of the day that speaks to some of these outcomes, some of these policies that we're fighting and even losing even under Trump's first term that we need to turn around the second term. So one of those issues is obviously the border, and that's going to be a big issue because remember, the the border surge is growing again. Now, some of that obviously has to do with an expectation that Biden will win, and the hope would be if he doesn't win, it will go down again. But folks, there is something going on, and this ties into corona fascism. We now have, and it's very interesting, in the Midwest of our country, where, you know, the Midwest, Upper Great Plains, this is when they're getting their first wave of the virus, so the hospitalizations are higher. The hospitals are not overrun. They're crowded, because this is this year's flu season. We've gone through that a lot. By the way, there's even more data, another week's data from CDC showing the flu has disappeared, so it's not in addition to it. We're not going to be overrun. It's instead of it. And we're fine. There's one area where it does appear hospitals are almost being overrun. And that's the same area that they were almost overrun in the spring. And that is the border. El Paso County. Okay? El Paso County. What what do you know El Paso County is being overrun? Now, why do you think El Paso County is worse than anywhere else? Well... This is from the Fox affiliate there, um, uh, Fox 14. El Paso is making international headlines for COVID-19 outbreak. As emergency responders are being recognized across the nation, El Paso's first responders may be facing more danger. El Paso firefighters in the trenches of the COVID-19 pandemic cannot talk on the record about the number of people they are picking up every day from El Paso's international bridges. But a whistleblower inside the fire department spoke to KFOX 14 exclusively on condition of anonymity. Quote, there's some day, some days where it's only three or four times and other days when it's 13 to 14 responses, you'll be there from one patient and CBP customs will let you know, hey, there's another one right behind them and another one sometime there are four or five waiting in line. So basically... Firefighters now have to deal, American firefighters, not just hospitals, but firefighters have to be tied down dealing with people crossing from Ciudad Juarez to El Paso seeking the nearest hospital. They're having big problems in in Chihuahua, Juarez, and now they're coming over. They're coming over. Who pays for it? Who pays for this? Very interesting. And talk about straining the hospitals, folks. Basically, we are being told that we must be locked down. Americans living in El Paso now, they have a curfew, a curfew on them. So as not to so-called catch the virus and overrun hospitals, yet they are bringing through the front door, the front bridge from Mexico to get into our hospitals. Why are they being brought in? And as I've said at the time, we did a seven-part series on the border and 
hospitalizations and COVID. The border counties have have some of the highest death rates in the entire country because it's in addition to their population. They got Mexico's, but not just anyone, but the sickest people, by definition, who are seeking hospitalization in America. And we didn't shut that down. We shut down cross-state travel. States put on travel bans to each other. You couldn't travel outside of your house. You couldn't open your business, your school, your synagogue, your church, this and that. But Mexican nationals could travel across our border for the express purpose of coming to our hospitals. And if we're going to do that, at least if we believe we are more responsible for the citizens of Mexico than American citizens, at least put up field hospitals, but don't flood the main hospitals. But no. And now Imperial County, California, according to KYMA in California, they're preparing for another wave because they had it last time in the first wave. They're preparing for more people. Well, what does Imperial have to do with El Paso? Why are they expecting more? Why Imperial County more than San Francisco or another part of California? Well, yeah, because it's Mexico. Folks, revolutions have been fought over less. Tying us down for a surge that's created by foreign nationals who shouldn't come in anyway. Why is CBP letting them in? Why is CDC and HHS allowing this? Again, I mean, these are things, this is the type of thing that we have full control over. This is not Cuomo or Gavin Newsom. This is at a federal level. Trump is president now. Gets reelected, he'll have an even bigger mandate. These are the type of issues that our side needs to be stirred up over. And you need to make your voice heard. It's not going to change on its own. And folks, I mean, I did a whole article on Friday about this guy who was granted asylum from Cuba who was caught on video drinking. He, he filmed himself drinking while, and driving and bragging about it. Less than 10 minutes later, he crashed into a van or a Honda and killed three Americans. It reminded me, you know, this was just outside of Houston. The week before in Houston, we had a cop killed by an illegal alien who had six felonies and still wasn't deported. And it also reminded me, I wrote in July or June or July, there was a motorcycle club of retired cops driving and a drunk driving illegal alien who received DACA and had two prior DUIs and assaults and wasn't deported, but was given DACA. Killed three retired cops. You don't hear about this stuff. See, I, I kind of feel like it, it's funny. Right now, I'm spitting in an ocean. I'm one of a million people commentating on the election. Everyone I meet in my community, my community, my neighborhood, is it's very, you know, it's very red. They're all voting for Trump. Now, obviously, when I go to services you know afterwards the the men sitting around and, and talk politics and the women complain that the men aren't coming you know coming home quick enough and you know e- everyone's all into it everyone i could tell you everyone i know is into it and like darn it why can i ever get you into it when it comes to the issues why am i the only one yelling from the back on all this stuff when it actually matters it doesn't have to be that way we need to marshal and harness this energy for the issues, especially you know, if they're federal issues that Trump could, could, could change. You know, with all this stuff going on with us being strangers in our own land, one of our listeners reminded me, this is uh, foretold in Deuteronomy 28.43. The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, and you will sink lower and lower. They will be the head, you will be the tail. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord, your God, and observe the commandments and decrees he gave you. And this is what we must remember. Ultimately, we need to return to God, even above the political system, but certainly as it intersects, promote godly values, promote biblical values, And that begins, that does not end with this Tuesday, with tomorrow. 
Then you have the other issue, folks, which is crime. I put together an article today. As you all know, crime is surging across the country with many states and cities now on the cusp of wiping out. I don't mean just like, you know, a higher than average crime for the last five years. I mean, wiping out the three decade long decline going back to the early 90s in terms of homicide rates and in some places shattering them and setting record homicides. So going from low, lowest homicide to record homicide in just a few years, in some cases, just one year. And again, that that's that happened during Trump's first term. Oh, Daniel, that's just the blue states, the blue cities. It's true. But it's in a lot of red states, too. And not just the huge cities, but some of the smaller ones as well. But what's interesting is, this is remarkable. Almost every swing state, the major cities in those states are experiencing record homicide. This is the opportunity for Trump to close the election on promising not running away from the crime bill of 1994, but promising a bill twice as tough. To incentivize states to lock people up, not to let them out of jail. To have the federal prosecutors come in in places like Philadelphia and hit these career criminals on federal charges and lock them up. To defund criminal cities. Use the carrot and stick approach at a federal level. We need a crime bill, a self defense bill. We need all of that. We need DOJ to get involved. And again, the juxtaposition to coronavirus is so powerful. Where they're criminalizing everyday Americans while exalting criminals. October turned out to be Philadelphia's, this October was Philadelphia's bloodiest month on record. 65 homicides. The city surpassed 400 homicides And it's easily on pace for 500, or it's roughly on pace for 500 by the end of the year. Which will come close to the record of 505 homicides set in 1990. That's Pennsylvania. You go to Georgia, still, you know, kind of a battleground state now, unfortunately. 42% increase in murder in Atlanta. 30% increase in Miami, Florida, 20% increase in Dallas, and 36% increase in Houston, and San Antonio is on track for the deadliest year ever. Austin, 40% increase in homicide. This is Texas. This is Rick Perry and Greg Abbott over the years have let out a bunch of criminals. In Austin, they're suffering from a crisis of police officers retiring in droves. You go to North Carolina, Charlotte, the state's largest city. Homicides already surged last year, 88% above the previous year. And that number is already matched this year with two months on the clock. Arizona, another new swing state. Phoenix, homicides are up this year over last year by a greater percentage increase for this year than any City outside of Chicago. Ohio. Every major city is on pace for record homicides. Uh, Columbus is about to break a record. Cincinnati will likely break it by the end of the year. And, And Cleveland also. Columbus, I think, is already pretty much broke it or is at at the record. Wisconsin. Milwaukee is likely to break its... Top homicide year, the record set back in 1991. So this is no longer like, hey, you know, maybe we're starting to reverse the downward trend. No, no, this is record. This is higher than in the early 90s. Michigan, (laughs) crime's always going up in Detroit. It's up like 30, 40% homicides. Crime is also rising in Grand Rapids. Smaller city that incidentally that is going to be the site of Trump's final rally. What a great opportunity there. 
Minneapolis is the epicenter of just lawlessness. The police just shut down. People are scared to come out of their homes. This is a, a crisis of carjackings there. Homicides have nearly doubled from last year. And again, they're all repeat violent offenders. That's, that's what these people are. You know, just to show you how bad our system has become. Now, this bad, I will admit, is mostly in blue states, like to this level. But it's pretty much the same trend elsewhere. This guy who, who thinks he's a woman, one of these people that became, you know, says they're a woman in jail. Rona, he calls himself, himself Rona Love. In the 90s, he was convicted for two homicides. Two homicides. Life in prison. Except life these days isn't life. Last April, he was given parole. And I wonder if it was because he said he was transgendered and was abused or something. That's, that's a whole new... You have corona jailbreak, you have transgender jailbreak now. That's a whole new trend, by the way. So now, you think, how could a double homicide convict get out? But they get out. Now you think, all right. Now you let out a murderer at the first sign of trouble. You know, okay, you parole, but that's contingent on if we catch you with anything, you're back in the slammer. Well, on July 15th, a couple months ago, he was arrested for um, third degree assault, battering someone with a broom while he was drunk. He was released two days later without even posting bail regardless of his prior murder convictions. This is happening everywhere. My community, I'm scared to even leave my, my home at night and walk. I mean, it's, gotten, it's the worst it's ever been, even worse than the early 90s. The carjackings, the um, people are all catching on their cameras now, um, where I had a neighbor that saw his screen door open, and he knew he never leaves the screen door open, and they saw on the cameras, this guy was trying the door in the middle of the night. So not just the car, but the home. They're all either youth, mainly black youth, young blacks in their 20s. That are, they're not locked up. I mean, everyone's talking about locking up blacks. It's not true. Nobody gets locked up, black, white, or anything. These are people that are known to the cops it's catch and release. They, they actually usually do catch them. Catch and release. Now you might say, well, that's Maryland. But I'm telling you, this is happening in every red state and battleground state, states where Republicans control the state legislature. Why is Ron DeSantis the only governor I know of who has an agenda headed in, into the upcoming legislative session to focus on crime? Well, the other Republican governors do have an agenda to focus on crime. The opposite, to let out more criminals. It doesn't have to be this way. You know how I know? Because of what we're seeing with the Trump support. It doesn't have to be this way because we have our Minutemen. We have our army. We have our patriots. Why not start a Sons of Liberty chapter? A Sons of Liberty chapter in every county. Start with the ones Trump won by 10 to 15 or more points and then work on down from there. But that in itself is going to be, you know, well over a thousand counties. Have a chapter there where you really focus on local issues, but also national issues, but pressure your local officials, officials on the national issues your congressmen, your county officials, state legislators, school board officials, the sheriff, crime, corona fascism, illegal immigration, Second Amendment, self-defense. Focus on your prosecutor races. I mean, that's another thing. So we're going to be watching. The reason why I don't spend so much time in, in, in prospective horse race analysis because, you know, it's just you're going to find out what happens. But I'm going to talk about dissecting the results of what happened, not just demographically, but some of the races people don't follow. 
Is Soros going to be successful in flipping more prosecutor races? Things like that. How did we do at a county level? These are all going to be things we're going to be watching in a very, very busy week. I'm going to be putting out videos on our Facebook page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, our Facebook fan page. So we'll be doing videos as well. We're obviously going to be working overtime. Lots of caffeine. But again, it's not necessarily going to be the same focus as everyone else, which is why I need you to send this show to 50 to 100 of your friends. It's why I need you guys to support our sponsors. It's why I need you guys to support Blaze TV. You go to blaze TV forward slash CR and you put in promo code Daniel, get $30 off your annual subscription, which basically comes out to just less than $6 a month for your entire annual subscription to all the shows, all the content that we produce. This show is obviously, um, you know, it's, it's not behind a paywall, but others are this way. You get Steve Dace, you get Phil Robertson, you get the best of Mark Levin and Glenn Beck and everyone else on this very robust network. You got to get the truth because if you're armed with the facts, we already know that there is now an army of Patriots that are willing to take time from their schedule, go out in the streets and rally. Well, you know, this is something that probably requires less time, at least in one block of time, but it requires a little bit of patience and it's not as cool. And it's not, you know, all in one where just in one little thing, we could just affect an entire election and we think we're done. It's trench warfare. It's not one spectacular kickoff. It's play-by-play, a running play, a passing game to eventually get the ball in the end zone, get enough possessions like that that you win the game. The game is not the election. The game is actually winning on the civilization battles. An election is one of the several ways to affect that, but it's really the beginning of that way. It's possession of the ball. It's not winning this. As always, support our Sponsor wethepeopleholsters.com. At a time like this with crime rising, you need a good, solid holster. So you go to wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CR. And you guys could get also the most high quality, I would say highest quality holsters that I use all the time. And our other sponsors are going to have throughout the week. This is how to keep the lights on. We are living in a time where I think is every bit as impactful as the 1770s. And, you know, the Sons of Liberty, it wasn't about an election. It was trench warfare. Battle by battle. That's what we need to do. We need to play the long game. And folks, I promise you, I will be there for you, not just this week, but in that long game. To help give that guidance for this movement but ultimately we need you guys we need a citizen sanctuary citizen movement with god's help we will get that movement